This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramia. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on air community, and everyone's invited. From the London, Ontario home studio, launching the program, I'm Kelly McDonald. And I'm Brock Richardson, coming to you from Kitchener. Brock filling in for Rumya, and lots to talk about on the show. And of course, the big word we use, Brock, on the Friday shows, as you mentioned before we went on the air, how much you enjoy them, is fun. Yes, as the week progresses on with this program, and you know, you get to be lighter and lighter, and Friday is the combination of the light topics so it's always fun to be a part of it and as you always say you know you check in for class and you learn and I find myself learning stuff every single time I get to do this we'll do the disclaimer though because John Beeler he'll come on a little while with our app update and sometimes he can be a little dark a little you know just reminding us hey man as much as you want to have fun with your apps over the weekend, beware, be careful. Uh, but lots of times, so informative and so much fun as we get to learn things from him. Uh, he'll be along shortly on the program. Uh, Brock, a few days have settled in since the announcement. Tommy retiring the second time, talking NFL football here, ladies and gentlemen. Your thoughts, is it the final second time? Um. I want to get to about the 90 to 100 day mark <laughs> before I really want to, you know, declare this to be true. I There's been a lot of people that I trust in the business that have been both on both sides of the fence uh, mm-hmm. on this. So for me, it's like, let's just wait and see. But the way he retired leads me to believe this might be it, but I believe that the last time. So I want to be sure. Into the booth? Is that where he goes next? Yes, he's going to Fox, and um, we're pretty sure that he's going into their A booth, uh, whatever that looks like. But there is also mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. speculation that he might go on a panel, but it's a lot of money to spend on a panelist. So I would imagine that he will uh, go into the booth. And uh, $375 million over 10 years. Lots of money. A lot of cheddar sitting there. We'll talk a little more football shortly here on the program. Brock Richardson there, uh, the host and producer for The Neutral Zone. You can find that on AMI-audio Tuesdays at 11 a.m. and also as a podcast and a YouTube video podcast. But first, we've got work to do. Let's see what's coming up today here on the program. Google's new AI program turns text into music. We learn more with John Beeler, I mentioned him a while ago, and that app update. With the frigid February weather here, is it a good time to do armchair gardening? 
gardener Susan Kearney stops by to give me the de- give us the details, and this is one of those moments where I'll be learning what an armchair gardener actually is. I'm tremendous at anything armchair. Very good to settle back in. <laughs> anyway, there's a fight out there, folks, for <laughs> digital access to ebooks and audiobooks. Ryan Huey, he'll catch us up on this in the chatty bookshelf. That's during hour two of the program. So, uh, quick, let's go back. Little U turn here to football. Buffalo Bills safety, Damar Hamlin, has released a video saying he is thankful for the outpouring of support. He vows to pay it back. And it's the first time that the 24 year old has spoken publicly since he went into cardiac arrest on the field in Cincinnati early last month. Hamlin says on social media this past Saturday that now is the right time to speak after the Bills season has ended. To all the kids who sent me letters and heartwarming gifts, uh, you mean the world to me. Uh, You made my day every day. Uh, You inspired me to keep dreaming big and to just continue to keep helping making this world a better place. So Hamlin also said that he needed time to recover and gather his thoughts. Brock, one of the things that now a month later we look We wish him the best in his recovery. But what we see where he's so thankful, what we're hearing from him is that outpouring for his charity and what his illness has really accomplished to help and support others as we saw people from around the world weigh in on saying, I don't know what to do to help this young man. This is so traumatic to have seen for, for all of us and what he's going through. How can I help? And his way of, and our way of helping is to support others. Yeah. Um, A very tragic uh, situation that could have been really bad turned into a really nice story. I mean, his charity, uh, who was giving money to um, less fortunate children and toys and things like that, he wanted to make a very minimal amount of money when it started. And uh, since this moment, I mean, it just blew up into this... Uh, bigger thing and I think this is an example of you know the community rallying around a good cause but what seemingly is a good person and I respect him for you know um, waiting until the season uh, was over uh, before he uh, did this Um, because he again he didn't want to make it about himself even though he was in his rights to do so given the scenario. The beautiful thing when you talk about these athletes, folks, is the charities they belong to. And again, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because a lot of them have very good intentions and they don't want people saying, oh, yeah, of course we get the word about this charity because that's a gr- that's great PR. So for the people who support it, believe definitely it sounds like this young man appreciate it. And certainly many will benefit from that charity and the generosity out there. We're stepping aside for a couple of moments. When we return, Grant Hardy joins us to discuss trending headlines as we get going on the Friday edition of Kelly and Ramya. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, the race has begun. And when I say that, the race to so much great content as we always have it for you right here on AMI-audio and AMI-tv as we arrive to uh, share with you so many great conversations. Brock, we're moments away from our our first one, but I do want to ask you, since 
You spent a couple of days here more than we expected you to this week. You've gone home and done what we call in the broadcast field homework, which simply means, folks, he's been looking at himself just to see what, you know, poor habits he's finding himself or his own opinion. Is there one glaring thing that you can give the, the viewers who can see enough out there, uh, something to look for that you're going to not try to do today? Yes, there is. I have realized that when I ask my questions, my finger, when I go down to my keyboard and go down to the next part, and then my head follows my finger and I go down to my keyboard just ever so slightly quicker than the control room switches away from us being on camera. So today you will see that I will ask a question, stay up for a little bit longer and then bring the head down. So yeah, that's something yeah. small that I've noticed and good on the control room for being quick on their finger yesterday. As I noticed, they were a little bit faster um, panning away from me, but today I'm going to help them out a little bit and keep the eye contact for just ever so long. You know, um, I don't have enough vision to do that. So I just stay ignorant. Anyway, <laughs> let's bring on reporter Grant Hardy. We'll talk the latest in health, lifestyle, and accessibility. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. From Vancouver, Grant Hardy joining us. Good day, sir. How are you? Happy Friday. Good day. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Just talking of things that we're learning about ourselves as we continue to do this show more. I'm learning uh, to hopefully not give the uh, people in the uh, control room uh, a uh, heart attack here by signing on like two seconds before my segment, which I did today. So uh, we'll keep that in mind for the future. But you know, it's the fast world of headlines. They're ever changing, right? We got to get they them are. hot off the press, like two seconds before we go on air. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh -huh. And with the time change, that's only folks between here and there, if he has himself an early, early lunch, right? So we of can't course. even say that. More likely, though, it's his late breakfast. Uh, Grant, <laughs> you're the seasoned veteran here in the sense of doing TV stuff. When you first started, did you have that mechanism of feedback that did, did the your producers did your videographer them say you know uh did your family of course being the ones the most to say <laughs> you know when you're on there you're doing this i yeah, hear from my sister oh family is really great though like and i'm not i'm being sarcastic i'm being genuine they're, they're so helpful because it's so awkward right to give be a stranger or be a new colleague and give people you know, feedback, but it's so important and so appreciated. So yeah, that's, that's definitely something that my uh, family helped me with as I was awesome. on my journey. Well, and you were, we were pretty young when you started with the network, sort of kind of that, at the, that dream job, really, when you think about what you, what you got to get out there and do working on ATW and even before that, some fantastic stuff. Uh, Grant, where do you want to start? Okay. Well, uh, I figured it's Friday. Let's do something a little light cute and heart heartwarming uh, new research from York University suggests that we may be underestimating what young kids are capable of remembering uh, mm. the study found that children as young as 
four, compete with adults using a complicated technique known as temporal clustering when recalling information. Uh, four groups of children aged four to 10 were taken to a week-long summer camp at the Toronto Zoo, and uh, they were shown different exhibits. At the end of the camp, when they were asked to name the animals they saw at the zoo, their uh, answers uh, surprised the researchers. They they weren't found, they weren't surprised that older children recalled more animals than the younger kids, uh, but they were especially interested in the order of the recall. And they found that uh, younger children remembered animals often in terms of the groups that they saw them, like in terms of the. the sections of the zoo that those animals were in, which suggests that uh, very young children can participate in some, and compete with adults in some very complicated memory grouping techniques. Even though your brain does develop as you get older, it appears that young kids have remarkably good memories. It's interesting because I, uh, I definitely recall some pretty, like, detailed specific dates and places and memories from my very very young childhood so i'm interested how many other people i don't know about you guys uh have those experiences and how many people actually still have doubts that young children have pretty decent information memory recall i actually have a really good ability to remember long-term things so i can tell you to a certain point um you know when i went to the zoo as a kid or like how many animals i saw but it's my it's my short-term memory that i sometimes you know struggle with and so i'm not surprised that kids can remember it i mean i'll give you an example on this program irene will tell us remember off the top <laughs> give Give me your name and I can do it the first hour and she can tell me 15 seconds before we go on for the second hour and I don't remember it. And then she's having to cue me, right? And so sometimes the things we remember, it's like, why did I remember this but not that? Like, it's so it's so weird how, you know, your minds can work. But yeah, as a kid, I used to be able to remember all of those things. Well, you're a, oh, yeah. you're a zoo fan. Um, I would imagine the zoo would have been a place... Brock, that you could come home and tell everyone exactly what the panda bear was doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a lot of it for me, Grant. I remember things like that. If it was really exciting, I can sit there and tell you it was a Saturday we did that in 19, whatever it was. Um, maybe, you know, maybe not exactly the date, um, even though I've known friends that can do those things, have enough of a photographic memory or that mm -hmm. kind of recall. But you, you asked me about something I, I won't say that I didn't. That was unpleasant. You, you tend to remember those too. But some of the run-of-the-mill stuff, no. But I certainly left events, even as a child, and went on about them for a few days, reciting them to whoever would listen. Oh, my my gosh, yes. And I think that's part of it too, is uh, taking that initial memory and uh, talking about it, you know, pictures, if you can see pictures, audio recordings, what whatever... Uh, methods you have to kind of 
develop that memory, etch that memory more permanently into your brain is really, yes. really helpful. The other thing that I find kind of interesting, maybe I'll have to look into this for the, the next segment, is, uh, you know, as an adult, have you ever noticed this, this infuriating thing where we, we tend to remember really negative stuff? Like if a <laughs> dozen people say hello and are super friendly to you, like that's just sort of normal but then the 13th person if they say something rude or there's some sort of weird incident happens like that's the incident that you remember which is crazy because like that should be the outlier that we just forget about (laughs) yeah it's the one we it's the one we linger to is always that thing or what what did they used to say if you have 10 things on your list to do and you get to nine of them that's the one you don't remember you it'll ruin your whole day (laughs) It'll whole you know be going on for the for the next four hours about it. Excellent. Exactly. All but right. It, that's yeah. It's the things that like we 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 could remember. You know, we always want more in in what. We, so to your point, you know, you you get the thirteenth good, you know, positive, and then the fourteenth person comes along and isn't positive. You go, well, why didn't I get the fourteenth one? And they're like, yeah, but you had ninety nine percent of the rest of them. Yeah, but I wanted the fourteenth one. And, yeah, and well, that's it, it. We always want but more. Adversely, right? adversely, if that fourteenth person who says, "God, your shirt's ugly," is the first person you see, and then the next thirteen, yeah. oh, that's a beautiful shirt. Hey, Brock, you look great today. Oh my gosh, that's a wonderful hairdo. I love it. <laughs> Shaved almost down to nothing. You know, whatever someone you know yeah. says, if if it's the flip the other way. We'll remember those because they're the reinforcement that, yeah, the other, the person that said all that junk at the beginning, that first fool was full of balloon juice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm, that's a good point, too. Good way of looking at it. Uh, so uh, my next article is not going to be so much of a surprise, but basically anyone hoping for a break on sky-high grocery bills should brace themselves for a shock this year mm. uh, because the typical – bill for a family this year is predicted to go up more than $1,000 uh, based on the 2023, uh, 2023 report. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yes. So the uh, typically typical yearly receipt for 2022 came in at over $15,000. This year, it's estimated to be over $16,000. And there are kind of some surprises to me, like meat is kind of going up at a normal rate, just like everything else. But vegetables are apparently going up at Mm -hmm. a very high rate as well. And to make things worse, apparently suppliers, like suppliers of meat, are saying that somehow those uh, pro- those cost increases aren't even really getting passed on to them just because of the way mm-hmm. that the economy is working. They say it's going to slow uh, slow down a little bit in the second half of uh, the year. The the growth, but like sixteen thousand plus dollars for a typical family that is incredible. Dare I say mind boggling. <laughs> And do you stop? Do you stop and think? Okay, how come meat, meat out of all things, isn't the one? Why is it the vegetables? And I submit that maybe it's simply vegetables are much more affected in our world, in, in where we're getting our our stuff from, by weather. 
a lot of things are due to the droughts, the flooding versus, you know, sure, I'm not going to suggest for a moment we didn't lose animals last year up in BC when all the flooding was going on, Grant, and the horrible things that happened and the pandemics, uh, what it, it's toll it took on, on farm animals too. I am not a farmer. I'm not a person who would know enough about the agriculture, but I do have to wonder, Brock, if that may be is what we're looking at as some of the root causes, or if their view is, man, we mess with the price of meat, uh, you know, people will step <laughs> off it and just get vegetables. <laughs> Plus, people also, I think most of the issue is the transportation of these things to and from. That's where, why, how come the farmers, well, we're not doing it. It's, you know, we could use it. Sorry, yeah. Brock, go ahead. I, I think, too, like the other point with all the vegetable transportation and all, all that, the thing that I find is, yes, the price has gone up, but the longevity of the vegetable is seemingly less now exactly. than it was right. before. And so you're yep. spending more money and then you look for the banana and you're like, but I just bought those on Tuesday and it's only Friday and they're and they're black, you know, and so that's what I find is happening. Yeah, that's that's actually another thing that I kind of glossed over, but you're ex exactly dead on that that's what people are saying is that the quality of the food isn't going up uh if anything it's quite the opposite Appar apparently you even bet. things like the war in ukraine are affecting grain and uh For just sure. amazing that that chain of reaction like like you guys said yeah yeah. And I think, Grant, that's where a lot of it's happening. I think so many quickly say, well, the pandemic, no, we've got wars, we've got droughts, we've got all sorts of things going on, flooding. And I think that's a lot of it. We'll talk to you later on when you return in the second hour of the show, Grant. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you soon, guys. Grant Hardy joins us Wednesdays and Fridays. Uh, he gives us the latest headlines that he pulls up from health, lifestyle and accessibility. Always fun talking with him. We get a lot to think about. Brock and I will return on the other side of the break. Coming up next, Google's new AI turns text into music. All right, I'd flourish as a performer then. We learn more about this with John Beeler <laughs> in our app update next. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Look for me on Twitter if you get a couple of moments, folks. Uh, you can find me at AMI Kelly Mac out there on Twitter. Engage. It's always nice to hear from you and just have you along. Appreciate your time. This gentleman, Brock Richardson, who's co-hosting with me today on the program, uh, you can find him on Twitter at... Uh, hang on. Now, what is your Twitter? I've lost it here, Brock. What is it? Help me out. At Neutral Zone BR. Oh, I was right. For heaven's sake, I'm going off the top of my head, and I thought, no, it's not yeah. that. Uh, awesome, and appreciate it. And, uh, you know, he appreciate you appreciate the follow. I do. I'm uh, just a little over 300 uh, followers now, so I'm quite happy with that. And thank you for everybody on whatever platform you follow me or for whatever reason. I appreciate it, and uh, hope my Twitter is somewhat engaging. Have you thought of dropping Twitter with all the Elon Musk stuff? No, I find Twitter to be the most accessible platform uh, there is, which is funny because you're talking about, um, you know, their accessibility teams uh, not being there and that kind of thing, but they are really accessible. So I quite enjoy <laughs> yeah. it. 
Well, I, myself, I find it. It also for for the stuff I want, sports content, reporters I want to follow, and things like that. For what I appreciate in social media, uh, it gives me what I'm looking for, um, and and I like that myself. Uh, and I know a lot will say, "You just give it time on that accessibility thing, guys, and <laughs> we'll see what you're saying in six months, and we'll yeah. see how that evolves for sure, Brock." And one hundred percent. Speaking of updates on apps it's time for our app update with john beeler let's bring him on i'm john beeler from get connected in vancouver join me on kelly and ramia where i share the latest app mobile and tech news everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security we cover the gamut hello john how are you i'm great how are you guys i'm doing well thanks for a friday can't complain at all your first <laughs> topic is one that is intriguing uh google's new ai turns text into music and maybe this could make me sound a little better maybe (laughs) maybe um yeah they have a new tool called music lm and it's not available for people to use yet they're sort of still working on it and it's not quite released yet but they have released some samples uh, of what it's capable of doing. And it's really quite amazing when you think about it. Um, we've we've talked about other uh, AI generation systems before, like Midjourney or uh, DALI or Stable Diffusion, where you basically give it a text prompt and it'll turn that into an image. What Google has done is they've taken that idea and you can basically describe music. And what it'll do is it will then create music inspired by that prompt and these prompts can be very specific and they can be very detailed so for example a prompt like a rising synth is playing an arpeggio with a lot of reverb it is backed by pads sub bass line and soft drums this song is full of synth sounds creating a soothing and adventurous atmosphere it may be playing at a festival during uh, a song for a build-up. So you can get very specific. You can get very layered with the sounds. And it can even improvise uh, vocals. Although a lot of people compare the vocals that it does generate to be kind of unintelligible language, kind of like what you would see in the Sims video game, if you've ever played that, called Simlish, where it sounds familiar, but you can't quite piece all the pieces together to actually make a a recognizable word or a phrase. Well, I mean, that's what it sounds like when I'm singing anyway, so (laughs) to be be totally honest with you... Sounds yeah, so it's a it's a pretty fantastic system. Uh, right now, like I said, they've only released some samples, but the samples they have released kind of run the gamut as far as different styles of music, everything from jazz, reggae, hip hop, uh, dance music, pop music. It's pretty interesting. I, I, I can't. I just really can't wait until I get to play with it myself. Wow. Um, how does it sound, John? In the way of the, the little clip, does it sound like? What, what what did we used to say? Oh, this band bothers me because they use electronic more than they use real instruments. Uh, th- have they been able to, even though we know what it is and how it's created, th- are the instruments, is the quality sounding pretty good? It, it sounds really good. And you probably couldn't tell because I'm not entirely sure of the models and how they're actually creating the music, whether it's replicating real instruments or if it's completely synthesized uh as the model as the source material um but it sounds very 
good. It's like the the few clips that I've listened to, they sound like stuff you would hear on the radio or at a concert. Like they sound wow. of that quality. I like the fact that somebody who may not be musical, may be in that sense of, I would like something that sort of sounds like and be able to put it in some form of description, whether it's the background music from their favorite TV series or something, sort of jazzy, sort of this, more bass and more drum, whatever, and come out with something and I'm assuming be able to revise it. So uh, it sounds like it, it could be a lot of fun, but actually for some people really put the use, especially if they're saying to somebody, I need you to create some music for a project I'm working on, whether it's a, a doc or, or a play or whatever, and get that assistance, being able to let someone hear it and say, this is close to what I'm looking for, but but what do you think? Or even down the road, use it to create like that. Yeah, I, I think we're going to start to see a lot of these types of systems being used in conjunction with other things. So for example, this music uh, would be your background track. You can actually have a different AI system write you some lyrics that Brock right. can then sing. So yeah. you can sort of put this in, all in together. The, in the shower only, though, Brock. In, in the shower. Y yes. You know, <laughs> awesome, John. That's beautiful. Um, Want to see what kind of info our courier has on you with Uber Eats View uh, as Delivery Person feature. W what is this, John? So one of the things that I've always been curious about is when I get my Amazon package or when I get my... Uh, McDonald's delivered to my house, for example, how much does that delivery driver actually know about you? What kind of information do they see as they're rolling up to your house with your delivery? And now Uber Eats has sort of tried to be a little bit more transparent by actually giving you the option in the app to view your order as the delivery person. So you can see exactly what that person has as far as your personal information. Obviously, they're going to have your address because that's how they get there. But some of the other questions a lot of people have had, and you know, from a safety and security standpoint, it makes sense that they wouldn't have all of your information because a lot of that's protected. Uh, they wouldn't have your credit card information, of course. Um, right. But you know, there's some security features, and apparently, according to a survey, almost 60% of users of food delivery services were concerned for their uh, personal safety without knowing what kind of information the delivery driver actually had about them. So, uh, you know, that that's a pretty big number as far as the number of people that are concerned about it. And this gives you the ability to see everything. The only thing that's a little bit um, interesting is that if you order alcohol for delivery, they will have to show some kind of ID thing so they can match it up when they actually check your ID at the door. Right. And I, and I would imagine some of this coming from that kind of delivery availability now and, and and you know narcotics or things that you might they may be able to bring from a drugstore i'm assuming some of that makes real question on well yeah but how do you know for sure it's me it's a controlled substance and again i've not done any of that so i don't know what things they will and won't um on yeah. that level i've always thought well what what do they see well leave it door or whatever you know silverware or not um i've never even really thought of that that's a huge number yeah yeah, and, and quite often, even just, you know, people are like, are you judging me because I'm ordering a Big Mac for lunch? <laughs> you know, right? And yes. a lot of times these yeah. delivery um, services that they come to you sealed up. So they the driver doesn't even know what you've ordered, right? They're just yeah. bringing a package yeah. or a I bag. Mean, I, if they knew, 
I could see in their offices uh, that information, people worrying about it being sold for targeting and sending people, you know, little notices that, hey, McDonald's has it special or, hey, you know, you like your bubble tea. Here, they're having specials at three places near you. I, I could see that kind of usage. I never really thought of the other concerns that people would have. Uh, that shows you my naivety. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, I always find that the more information you have to provide someone, the more at risk you are for things. And to your other point about, you know, the amount, uh, when when you're one person and say you're having a party and there's, you know, six or seven bags and only one of you goes down, you can't help but wonder what's going on where you are. And you're right, the, the judgment does kind of sneak in there. Uh, your third topic is open AI can't detect its own chat GPT generated text most of the time. Yeah, one of the concerns with chat GPT and these AI generated uh, systems that generate text, they can do a lot of things like create an essay or a report for students. And so to combat that, they've actually, uh, OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, has released a tool that allows teachers and other people to basically run any text through it to see if, mm -hmm. what's the probability that it was written by AI. And we've actually seen some interesting examples of this. Of course, the students trying to pass off uh, AI-generated work as their own is one thing, but also people are starting to use these chat bots to actually do things like write their resume or write their cover letter for an a job application. And so this can also help those employ those potential employers determine whether or not this uh, the applicant's doing any work. But the problem is, is that AI is very easy to fool and it can't always detect its own work which is kind of surprising, but it's also not that surprising when you consider that all it takes is a very minor little edit to some AI-generated text to make it indistinguishable because I could just add a couple of words in there that make it a little bit more personal to me or uh, make it flow a little bit better. And that will be basically cause these systems to be unsure uh, they wouldn't be able to guarantee that it was created by AI. There's a probability that it would be, but maybe not. And so that reasonable doubt, uh, I guess, is something that is a little bit of a concern that this is going to get only harder and harder to do as these chat bots get better and better at writing in a certain style or in a certain voice of the person that's actually trying to pass this off as their own work. Yeah, that's, that's you know, technology is so good it even fools itself as we're talking about here. And, <laughs> and that's kind of one of those things where it's like, yikes, you know, technology is too good for itself, you know, and, and at times not good enough to detect, is this someone else's work or is this, you know, my own? And, you know, you go back to schools and teachers would have to be the, you know, the, the, the judge of whether this was plagiarized or whatever. But now but that's when back it, in the day, how it was done, right? Like, yeah, this exactly. is kind of where I'm puzzled. It, you took a teacher to say, hey, this is out of and have that knowledge because of all the copious amount of reading that they would do. You took, went to the library, got this book and copied this. And, and now I know right now, John, we've taught that it's only so far back that you can get updated information um, off of using it. Uh, right now because they haven't done made the improvements they're going to. But it is a really interesting thought of if somebody gets something, studies it, uses it because it's been written via the bot and makes those changes and passes it off, 
you know, we can sit here and say, wow, how, how do you adapt to that? When in the olden days, you were caught if a teacher figured that out or a colleague or somebody, and and mostly because people would do the same kind of thing every year. So you'd know, I would copy this right out of resource, uh, you know, A, B, C, or D. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because some of these tools, not ChatGPT specifically, um, allow you to train it on your style of writing. So yeah. one of the sort of, uh, I guess, tells that a teacher would have is like, well, this doesn't sound like John's work. John doesn't right. use these big words, those types of things. So mm -hmm. um, having the ability to train it on kind of your language style is going to make it almost imperceptible that it's written by AI versus written by me. There's never a perfect system in the world and, and there will never be a perfect system. And that's just the reality. I mean, you could say, you know, but teacher, I didn't plagiarize this and it's still a portion of judgment where it's like, yeah, I think you did. And maybe they didn't, or maybe they did. But again, goes back to John. There's never a perfect system. John, thank you so much uh, for doing this. Great stuff. As always, we appreciate it very much. Thank you. John Beeler joins us every friday at this time for our app update he will be back next week of course kind of like a major chess game you're playing right and those moves make it better make it worse find it out don't find it out it's it's interesting uh we'll take a break ladies and gentlemen up next we get our friday edition of the buzz with bill shackleton he does this wednesday to fridays on the program at this time we'll talk to him in a moment Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Hanging out with you on AMI-tv and AMI-audio. Brock Richardson, he's here with me today. I'm Kelly McDonald, host of the program. We're settling back in and ready to get going with our next uh, guest in just a moment. I just want to remind you folks, we're swinging open the gateway to your weekend to get you all set up wherever you're listening in around the world on AMI-audio or maybe over at AMI.ca where you can stream the show or watching us on AMI-tv. Thank you kindly for being with us. Wednesday through Friday, we welcome in Bill Shackleton. We call the segment The Buzz. He comes on with a variety of subjects, items that he finds and says, geez, it'd be cool to talk to these guys about this on the program. We never know where he's going to go when it comes to these conversations. Billy, nice to have you back. The best to you on this Friday. And happy Friday to you guys. And we're going from chili peppers to records to bicycles. I mean, what, like you say, you never know where we're going to go. Mm -mm. Which one are you going to start with? Are you going to get us hot with hot chili peppers, or are we going to spin some? Uh, what do they? What I, they used to call them? I, platters. Yeah, I think we're going to sp spin some platters with this one. Very interesting one from the um, Canadian press. Vinyl fans eager for first pick at ninety-eight year old or yeah, ninety-eight year old Newfoundland radio station sale. So wow. station WVOR on the AM dial is having a record sale. So the Lions Club of Newfoundland is putting this sale on. They have over 50,000 records in their library. So some of them are going to wow. be duplicates. Some, yeah, oh. some of them are going to be, you know, because some of them are pretty old. and, and Some great you know, originals, Bill. Well, yeah, I'm, it's going to be some Anne Murray ones. There's going to be Elvis Presley, some Johnny Cash records, and you can't buy them anywhere else. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. So if you are a record collector, this is the place to go. Um, the station, though, 
um, has a pretty iconic history. It was founded in 1924, and it, it was originally designed to preach, per, uh, you know, to uh, church services to people who couldn't go, which right. was a great idea. Yeah. And yeah. strictly run by volunteers, some of them had been there for 50 years. Um, wow. Run by a, volunteers. Yeah, Incredible. volunteers. Yeah, volunteers. Um, in 19, well, in 2021, basically the tower went down um, because of a storm and everybody pitched in to get it going again. So the transmission tower that it used went down and people, you know, gave them donations to get it going. So the station actually is um, country and western and easy music. And it has a base of people, I believe over 50 but younger people who are interested in music are sort of gravitating to it. But I'll tell mm. you, if you were a record fan, you should go there on Saturday. You never know what you might find. It I sounds to, so, so fun. Go ahead, Brock. I would love to know how fast those 50,000 records end up going. <laughs> like, I, I yeah. you know how you hear, you know, oh, tickets to said concert went in, you know, X number of minutes, X number of set, whatever it is. This is going to be another one of those cases where it's like, yeah, we had 50,000 records and now they're gone because people are mm -hmm. going to be eating it up like no tomorrow. Like for me, I, if I'm thinking, you know, country music, I'm thinking, you know, little Jimmy Dickens. I saw him once at the, you know, Grand Ole Opry. He's no longer with us, but like those would be so cool to have, you know, um, just to say that you have them and and it would be cool but no it's not going to take very long at all for for uh these records to be you know taken away from where they are it Wait. didn't say it didn't say 78s so i'm wondering if there were any 78s could well i i would imagine there. bill it would have had to have been but again yeah even fifty thousand, the average radio station as they were getting rid of stuff that that's not like stations didn't have that much, not like that. With you know, that's a phenomenal amount of duplicates, um, and and who knows the condition some of them are in. Uh, the oh, yeah. you imagine stockpiling all those. That's fifty thousand wow. records. The weight of those things alone, because people forget how heavy. Unless you carted you know tons of albums and milk cartons and forty fives and milk cartons, you had no idea. I'm blown away by the volunteerism. 50 years. Yeah, Could you right. imagine getting involved with that station 1924-26 as a volunteer and being there into the mid-70s? That that what you would have saw in broadcasting in its earliest form to to where we got arrived at in the 70s, that's just to me amazing, you know, through the golden era, through it, it just towers going up and watching these stations show up all over the world. Uh, what a what a cool thing to have been there at the beginning. Wow. Thanks, Billy. That's a great one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, now we go to bicycles. This is really okay. fascinating. Pedaling through cycling history at this Ohio Bike Museum from the Associated Press. There's a bike museum in Ohio that was a formerly a hotel. And basically it was created, it was the founders was was a company called Schwim who, as you know, right. was a major bike maker in the U.S., yeah. mm -hmm. formed in, in 1895, and they went bankrupt in 1992. So right. basically, this museum has over 700 bikes, three floors, 
and 173 bikes on display at at any one time. So this is actually a history oh. from the Victorian era up until now. Yeah. And, and the um, changes, right? We, we've oh, heard yeah. that when it comes to anything like that, what the best was. And like people don't realize when you think about motorcycles now, let alone pedal bikes. Yeah. Well, see, a lot of these, of course, these bikes from are from around, um, from around the world. And people, you know, that invented them didn't get a patent or they didn't take, catch on with the public. So what are you going to do with them? Swim decided, mm -hmm. well, they were going to auction them off. And then they decided to create a museum. I want to talk about some of the bikes, some of the inventions that were really you blow you away. Um, the first the first bike, of course, on the lower floor, you have the oldest bikes. So there was a bike from the Racine company in Germany that was invented in the 17, late 1700s. And basically what it had was no pedals. So you pedaled it by putting your foot on the ground and, and moving your foot backwards. Right. So that was, oh, my gosh. that was, now that's not, they also had a bike with the flotation tanks. So what you did, it had a propeller on the back. Ah. So it was amphibious. Well, that's like for Venice, Italy. You'd get yeah, into the water, into the canal be, and pedal yourself right. around it. Wow. What yeah, balance so to try to stay up. Well, I guess the, the, the flotation devices would help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a, there was an ice bike that they had. Um, on this way where it had a ski or a skid at the front and then it mm. had a wheel at the back with spikes so it could go across the ice which was kind yeah. of practical wow um just utterly there was another one that was really interesting was in order to pedal it you bounced up and down on the seat <laughs> so, i mean it was really <laughs> Yeah. That'd be funny watching someone coming towards you and be like, is that guy sitting on a pogo stick somehow? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. That was really, but you know, the bike, it, it symbolized, you know, the old expression, um, as easy as riding a bike. It was yeah. a cheap way to get around and, and women loved it in particular because they were free from emancipation. They didn't need to be you know, shuffled, um, chauffeured around. They could use a bike. Um, um, I just, I just have this vision of a person bouncing on a bike. Wait, are they yeah. on a bike or a horse? Like, what, <laughs> yeah. what's happening? You know, it's crazy. Who knew there were so many inventions? Well, and, and, and the era, like, when you're talking the 1700s, Billy, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. And, of course, it was a double bike. And they didn't mention accessibility, but Schwimm invented a bike um, uh, that uh, the, the little one could sit in the middle. But you know the, the Tandon bike was good is good for us. It made us of it gave us the opportunity to bike, and it wasn't yeah, mentioned I, in the article, but it was really the, what it did for us. I'm trying to remember if I recall in the oldest tandems that I knew of, and that doesn't mean I, how far back. But I, I mean, I mean, I know of people who've told me that they've had tandem bikes 50, 60 years old. Let, let's say dated back to the 1940s and 50s, or the side by sides, or whatever it might have been. I don't know. I don't recall Schwinn, you know, one made by Schwinn. I, I'm sure they were, but I used to think of them more as, you know, the ten speeds, the the you know the 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 bikes as we uh, were kids, Bill. That they would go on about, or just a simple get on and pedal. Before we had so many bikes with different speeds in that, you know, the three speed tandems back in the day. I don't recall 
I don't recall, you know, Schwinn, but I'm sure there's listeners out there saying, oh, yeah, or oh, no, no, they were mainly. Um, and that's that's really fascinating. What a cool museum. Bill, um, let's squeeze your last in. Yeah, we're going to squeeze this last one in. Uh, New Mexico considers roasted chili as official state aroma, which is really kind of interesting <laughs> from uh, Associated Press. New Mexico is considering the the roasted chili as a as a as a state official state aroma. You know, chilies are in the parking lots. They cook them in grocery stores. Um, they're in sauces. They're in uh, you know even medications in powders. So the state legislation um, legislature is considering adopting it as an official state aroma. Which is kind. Of, it would be the only state that has this. Yeah, um, well, uh, that's why I was just going to ask you guys. I haven't heard. You know, we have flowers. We have this yeah, and that right. kind of view. This is a special place in our state. You know, Arizona. I'll see our big Grand Canyon. But I've not heard of. You know, come to our state and sniff our our official aroma. No, and yeah. well, you know, chili. They, 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 you know, the New Mexico is sixty percent of of the chili pot peppers and that sort of thing came from there. Um, yeah. The interesting thing about the debate that they're having in council or at the state level is not about whether you're going to consider it, but what you're going to do, how, what you're going to eat it with. Right. Right. So it, yeah. it, it, it sounds like you're, it's going to go through or I, you know, yeah. Well, and again, when you have something and it, and it makes sense on that level, of course, that this product brings a lot of dollars back to our state. Oh, it does. It this does. employs yeah. a lot of people, Brock. Yeah, and I think that, that's the basis of why this is being considered. I mean, I'm sitting here in my head thinking, well, what would be the scent of this place? Or, the, you know, like at some point you can get really far stretched on it. But I think in this case, it's because of the amount that is sold that it does make sense. But to, to see the tagline of, Come smell our chili pepper, you know, like, yeah. okay, like, sure, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and again, I know we jest because in theory, you know, you know you're not going to suddenly flood your state with, you know, oh, this is the motor city here. We need to have all these engines running and uh, the smell of oil or gasoline. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to do that. But, you know, when you look at what has built your state, province, wherever, your country, like we were talking about the Ukraine and, and grain, right? This is a huge export. And there are those things that we want to be humble. We want to say, hey, look, we call states, you know, the garden state or whatever. Um, yeah. So, again, to sit there and suggest an, an aroma. And, again, we're taking it literal and being a bit silly, Billy, when we think about that. Yeah. You're, you're certainly not going to have fans all over your, your, your state or whatever blowing the aroma of chilies everywhere. <laughs> no, but it makes me want to have one. Just thinking yeah, because you, about it. You like everything hot. Yeah, I do. Um, those chilies outside the, the grocery stores, you'd you'd really be into that every time you oh, came out, right? Whatever. They barbecue them, they roast them, you you name it. They they're on everything, right? Hot dogs, <laughs> chili. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. You Brock, you into that? No. I have uh, somebody I work with who likes uh, Takis, who's like, it's like a spicy chip. And I had one and I was like, nope, not for me. And he's having mouthful after mouthful after mouthful. I'm like, uh, what's yeah. wrong with this? And I'm like, not for me. Yep. Billy, thanks a lot, pal. We'll talk to you next week when you're back. We will.
the buzz. Bill Shackleton brings us a few items to talk about. We've got another hour ahead of the program as we're swinging open the gateway to your weekend. Next hour coming up, folks. There's a fight for uh, digital e-books and audio books out there. Ryan Huey will catch us up on this in the Chatty Bookshelf. Let's get the conversation recaps and uh, kind of get together on some thoughts of our own on Cut for Time. But up next, with frigid February weather here, it's time to get some armchair gardening in. Stand by, our gardener's with us next. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.